We start today with the bombing of a hospital in Gaza. Now, I don't want to make the focus of this the emails I got, but received many emails overnight saying, David, I'm sure you won't cover this story. This story is not useful to your narrative. You're not going to talk about it. And of course, as soon as it happened, I knew I would be covering it. Now, it is not at this time clear who did this bombing. Now, you might be hearing me say that and saying, no, 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 David, I saw this person on Twitter. I saw that person on Twitter saying it was definitely Israel or it was definitely Islamic Jihad or Hamas. At this time, my assessment of all of the reporting that we have is we don't know who did this. Now, it is a deplorable action no matter who did it. And the reminders that I think are most important from this story, and we'll go through the details in a moment, are that in a situation such as this one, where there is a concurrent and parallel propaganda war alongside the actual war, the benefits of following these situations minute by minute are often not useful and sometimes even counterproductive, where people start hurling definitive statements absent actual evidence that then generate secondary and tertiary lines of propaganda. So I would urge calm. All of a sudden, everybody's a weapons expert online and knows about ordinance the same way that when covid started, all of a sudden everybody's an epidemiologist and a virologist and so on and so forth. What we know about this bombing of a hospital in Gaza yesterday has already changed many, many times. The initial story was Israel deliberately bombed a hospital and 500 people are dead. An hour later, it was 700 people are dead. An hour after that, it was 900 or even a thousand people are dead and many more are injured. And then all of a sudden, video surfaced, including on Al Jazeera, which is not a news outlet, along with RT and many others that I look to for news, but a video surfaced on Al Jazeera, which really didn't look like this came from Israel. Rather, it looked like it came from within Gaza, which, of course, could be Hamas. It could be the group Islamic Jihad, which operates from within Gaza. Israel denied that they did this. Now, even that is a source of controversy. What does it tell us that Israel denied this? Well, sometimes Israel has initially denied things that they did and ultimately admitted to them. Many times Israel will say it was us and a mistake was made or we're sorry or whatever the case may be. And then everybody is furious. So the fact that Israel denied it is also not definitive proof one way or the other. Some are alleging Israel bombed the hospital on purpose with the plan to blame Hamas all along. If that's true, it's a very stupid plan, especially since immediately everyone blamed Israel. The entire Arab world is still blaming Israel, even though many respectable news outlets have now uh, changed their headlines and said blame is being traded. We don't know who did this. The New York Times, for example, realizing maybe they got it wrong changed their initial headline, which was Israeli airstrike hits Gaza hospital, killing 500 Palestinian health ministry says that was the original headline. They switched the headline to Israel and Palestine blame each other for Gaza hospital blast. We then had subsequent reports. Remember that initially the reports were uh, 500 dead, 700 dead, 900 dead. Those reports have been updated to say 500 casualties, but with a casualty defined as a death or an injury. And of course, 500 injured versus 900 dead are two very different things. Initial reporting that it was the hospital itself that was blown up have to some degree been updated and supplanted by reports that really this was in the parking lot and that the number of dead may actually be far smaller. Now, none of this changes that whoever bombed the hospital, whether it was Israel on purpose or Hamas or Islamic Jihad accidentally because of a failed launch or Hamas or Islamic Jihad. This would be horrible for, for some other reason in order to generate. There's every every instance of speculation is there. You can find everything from Israel did it on purpose 
to Hamas did it on purpose to blame Israel. OK, every, no matter who did it and no matter the number dead and injured, it's all a deplorable tragedy that we all grieve. OK, but when you look on Twitter, the platform, it's now called X used to be called Twitter. And you look at the tweets, they used to be called tweets. Now we call them excretions where you have people telling you this is the truth about what happened. Listen, the noise that Hamas rockets make is different than what you hear in the video. Therefore, it couldn't possibly be Hamas or we we have audio of the conversation where Islamic Jihad says it was us. Whatever it is that you see these experts, so-called experts, and they're not experts claiming these are people who know nothing more than I know. OK, and the difference is I'm telling you, we don't know at this time definitively who did it. I'm not going to name any names. Don't want to give them attention. But there are people who just do what I do. They just talk on a microphone and look stuff up on the Internet at the end of the day uh, who are saying this definitely was or this definitely was not Israel, Hamas, Islamic Jihad. It's just not clear at this point in time. Now, what I would like to see is an independent group of experts go to the hospital and examine the evidence. And that should be able to definitively show where the rocket came from. If Palestinians demand such experts go uh, and Israel says we don't need that, that would potentially be a red flag. Ultimately, this is in Palestinian territory. So if Israel says we need an independent group of experts to go and look and Hamas refuses to allow experts in, that would also tell us something. There is a long list of times that Hamas or Islamic Jihad have had these failed rocket launches that end up landing in Gaza and hurting people. And there are also times that Israel has denied doing something that at the end of the day we find out that they did do right now. We really can't say with certainty one way or the other. Um, and any of the people who have no more access than I do to information who are claiming to tell you with certainty what happened as of this moment, right? It's October 18th. We're recording this in the late morning, early afternoon. Right now, uh, it is not possible to definitively say what happened. There are people who, rather than accuracy, have speed and sensationalism as their primary objectives. Either way, this is worthy of a report. The political context and the repercussions would be different depending on who did it. Once I have more information, I will certainly come to you with it. it. Who who will be angry with this report of mine? Well, I'll tell you who. There will be people on both sides who will say, David, you are deliberately pretending that we don't know who did it in order to defend one side or the other, probably Israel. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm telling you is the re the original reporting has changed. And we just don't know at this time what the truth of it is no matter what Twitter ordinance experts claim to be telling you. Uh, we have a very fast moving situation in the House of Representatives, wherein Republicans are looking to elect a Speaker of the House and have so far failed to do so. I understand that it is a bit fraught to cover this because it is moving so quickly by the time today's show is published, which is literally two hours from when I'm recording this, 90 minutes from when I'm recording this, things uh, may have changed. That all being said, Jim Jordan did lose the first speaker vote yesterday. Trump, who endorsed him, gave a humiliating statement saying, oh, he's going to be speaker any minute. Well, it's not any minute. We'll see how long it takes. Let's take a look at some of the reporting on this. CNBC says Jim Jordan loses first House speaker vote. We'll try again Wednesday. Jordan failed to win the 217 votes he needed to be elected House speaker on the first vote. Second ballot is expected today, this morning. Uh, that vote has been slightly delayed, so we don't yet have the information about it. The House has been leaderless for two weeks after eight Republicans ousted former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The lower chamber is in a state of paralysis, unable to move forward with President Joe Biden's request for emergency security assistance for Israel. Uh, we also have a CNN report. Jim Jordan scrambles for votes after 20 Republican defections imperil his speaker bid. If you ask me right now, is this guy ultimately going to be the Speaker of the House? I really don't know, although I fear that the answer is yes. There are moderate Republicans not in the House of Representatives. There's very few moderate Republicans in the House. There are moderate Republican commentators who are not 
um, enamored with the Trump wing of the party who are hoping that common sense will at some point prevail. Mitt Romney, a senator, has said hopefully it will go in a different direction. There are many voters who don't want the House to go in the direction of a MAGA Trumpist leader. But there are, of course, many Republican voters who do want MAGA Trumpism leading the House. One question is whether Republicans have a single member in the House of Representatives that is actually suitable to be speaker at this time. There was a guy I actually Fitzpatrick or something. He's like the most moderate Republican in the House, Republican in the House. I mentioned it on the bonus show. Maybe that guy or something like that. So a few important reminders here. First and foremost, once again, although ultimately maybe Trump will win, Trump's early endorsement of Jordan, at least initially, has not gotten Jordan the speakership. And Trump in court yesterday coming out and being asked about Jim Jordan and said the following. By the way, referring to almost 60 year old Jim Jordan as a young man, I mean, listen, it's fine. It's sort of sort of nice, flattering. I mean, it'd be great to be to be 60 and be considered a young man, I guess, compared to Trump. He is. But just kind of like a weird little detail. He's going to be confirmed sometime soon. As you know, many people have uh, now supported him. But 24 hours ago, they were supporting somebody else. Uh, there seems to be great unification. I think Jim Jordan will be a great speaker. I think he'll be. Uh, I think he's going to have the vote soon, if not today, over the next day or two. And I think he'll end up being a great speaker. What about Biden's trip to Israel? Do you think Biden's trip to Israel is political, Mr. President? I think everything he does is political. All right. So he doesn't like what Biden is doing, but there is Trump. Now, Trump may ultimately be right. Be right. So there's a couple of different uh, points here and takeaways. Number one, the strength of the Trump endorsement continues to be not the strongest thing in the world. And if Trump really had the Republican elected officials behind him, Trump's endorsement last week of Jim Jordan would have gotten Jim Jordan the speakership yesterday. Ultimately, Jim Jordan may get the speakership and you may know before I do. And if that is the case, that would also be a sign that although Trump's endorsement may not be the strongest thing in the world, that ultimately Republicans are unable to diffuse and get away from MAGA Trumpism running their party, even in the House of Representatives. For us, the practical and operational thing is if you're not registered to vote, go and get registered to vote. Uh, we have a situation where this is the way it could just continue being for a very long time with MAGA Trumpism having this outsized influential role, moderate Republicans to the extent they exist being powerless to really get away from MAGA Trumpism. And the best way to do it is make the infighting the infighting of a minority party. Let them continue arguing about MAGA versus not MAGA in the House of Representatives. But let's take away the House of Representatives from them. Let's keep the Senate. Let's keep the White House. So registered to vote is the most important takeaway. Speaking of voting. After the break, our suspicion that RFK Jr. going independent is good for Joe Biden and bad for Trump. It seems to be true. There is a stunning new poll out that we're going to look at after this short break. People in my audience who sometimes struggle with sleep, you know, you've got those habit forming prescription medications, which sometimes have side effects. You've got your herbal remedies that often do nothing. That's why the go to can be melatonin, which is clinically proven to work and without the side effects and the grogginess. Our sponsor beam makes delicious nighttime hot cocoa drinks called dream with melatonin to help you get to sleep. Melatonin can also help correct circadian rhythm disturbances to get your schedule back on track. Like, for example, if you have jet lag, Beam's Dream Hot Cocoa with melatonin comes in great tasting flavors like mint chocolate chip, chocolate peanut butter, sea salt caramel or caramel. Come on. No sugar added, sweetened with monk fruit, only 15 calories per serving. 
My favorite is cinnamon cocoa. I'll just be up front. It's great to have before bed sometimes. It's hot, very flavorful, but not overly sweet. It's just a soothing way to wind down like an hour before going to bed. For a limited time, you'll get up to 40% off when you go to shopbeam.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash Pacman. Using code Pacman saves you up to 40%. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. Budgeting can be a tough thing for a lot of people to stay disciplined about, but our sponsor cube makes it much easier. The cube app lets you easily separate your budget into categories called cubes and then make all of your purchases from your cubes with your cube debit card. Let's say you've budgeted a thousand dollars a month for groceries. You're at the grocery store. You're ready to spend, say, two hundred and fifty dollars. You choose the grocery cube in the app that'll make the money available on the card. As soon as you process the card, your grocery cube will then show the remaining balance of seven fifty and the card can't be used until you green light the purchase, which prevents theft. You can always see how much you have left in each cube. You can avoid overspending. Cube has joint accounts and debit cards for kids so you can plan and save together. Your kids can make purchases that you've authorized in advance without borrowing your credit card. The average cube user saves four hundred and forty dollars a month just from being more conscious and aware of their spending. You can try the cube premium or family plan completely free for two months at davidpackman.com slash money. The link is in the podcast notes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, lest anybody forget, our program does have a fuller and richer experience available for those who choose to sign up for a membership at joinpacman.com. Many people writing in saying, David, joinpacman.com doesn't exist. That's because you're misspelling my last name. There is no letter C in my last name. It's P A K M A N. And when you sign up at joinpacman.com as and by the way, I continue to be flattered after a couple pe dozen people canceled memberships, another two hundred and twenty nine people signed up for memberships in the last twenty four hours. I am stunned, humbled and flattered by it. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. We've got great goodies for our members, including a daily commercial free audio or video feed of the show, the world famous bonus show, oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Yes. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad and lots of other great perks. Check it out at joinpacman.com. All right. Incredible new poll. Now, when we look at polling, we look at it in context. We look at it considering that we are still 12 and a half months away from the presidential election. We know polling isn't everything, but polling can give us an idea of the direction of many different elements of what is taking place. Our suspicion when Robert F. Kennedy Jr. launched a second presidential campaign as an independent. Remember, he had his first big launch as a Democrat challenging Joe Biden in the primary that went nowhere. He started at 20 percent, lost half of his support down to 10. Clearly, he was not going to uh, defeat Joe Biden in a primary. So Robert F. Kennedy Jr. one or two weeks ago announced another presidential campaign, this time as an independent. My suspicion and that of others and that of MAGA, by the way, they're panicking, too, was, uh oh, 
Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as an independent might actually take away more votes from Donald Trump if he is the nominee than Joe Biden. Well, why would that be the case? The reason would be that a bunch of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. support comes from MAGA anyway, that those in the Democratic Party who plan to vote RFK instead of Biden have probably already made that decision and already show up in the polling. But as the beleaguered Donald Trump gets closer and closer to November, if he's embroiled in these criminal trials and so on, it is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. who might be able to pick off more MAGA voters than he would Biden voters. The, the general gist is RFK has reached a ceiling with Democrats, but he has a lot of headroom when it comes to Republicans. We have amazing new polling, which appears to confirm this. This is from NPR PBS NewsHour. And what this poll finds is that in a hypothetical three way contest, Robert F. Kennedy gets 16 percent. That's right in the neighborhood of where he's been. And this leaves Biden at 44 and Trump at 37, putting Biden plus seven over Donald Trump in great part thanks to RFK. As many of you know, without the inclusion of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., this appears to be a very tight race. Now we can I've already told you it is early when it comes to hypothetical national polling. If Trump is the nominee, it's going to motivate many Democrats to come out and vote. It will probably be good for Joe Biden. But forgetting about all of that, if you look at this NPR PBS NewsHour poll, when they do Biden versus Trump, it's Biden plus three. The addition of Kennedy gives Biden four additional points because Kennedy takes much more from Trump than he does for Biden. Other new polling, there's a dailymail.com poll, which has Trump plus one, not a great pollster. There's a morning consult poll, which has Biden up two over Trump and up three over DeSantis. There is a um, CNBC heart research poll, which says Trump is up big. And then you have a bunch of premise polls, which are very good for Republicans. So our concern today is with the role of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now, if it is indeed believable, if it passes the sniff test, if it's true that RFK hurts Trump more than Biden, it might be a pretty slick thing for a Democratic super PAC to start running ads with side by sides, Trump's vaccine opinions and RFK Jr.'s vaccine opinions showing that they are very much aligned. This would likely dissuade Democratic voters from thinking about going to RFK Jr. And it might entice MAGA voters to go towards RFK Jr. That would be a very interesting sort of political ad for someone to fund. I don't know that anybody's going to do that, but it's certainly something that should be looked into. So this, um, I think, is a great thing. Uh, we uh, talk about, well, could Cornell West be a spoiler? It seems like Cornell West's campaign is completely dead. He's not even polling in many of these. So I'm less concerned about Cornell West being a spoiler for Joe Biden. We should do everything we can to help RFK Jr. be a spoiler for Donald Trump. It would be an absolutely beautiful thing to see. The decline of the platform formerly known as Twitter continues as Elon Musk will now start charging new users a dollar a year to tweet and may ultimately roll that out with the plan to charge every Twitter user if they want to send tweets or send retweets. Um, let's talk about what's going on. And then I want to give some more general thoughts on how my views on these social platforms have changed since the decline of Twitter started. Uh, the Daily Beast reports Elon Musk's Twitter rolls out plan to charge users a dollar a year. Uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, is testing a program that would charge users an annual fee to post, reply, like and use a host of other key features. It confirmed in a post in its help center. The platform is rolling out a test version of the program called Not a Bot. It will cost new users in New Zealand and the Philippines one dollar a year. It went live yesterday. The company said, quote, it's the only or Elon Musk said it's the only way to fight bots without blocking real users. This won't stop bots completely but it'll be a thousand times harder to manipulate the platform. The plan is a follow through 
of one of Musk's ideas from last month when he said X was moving to a small monthly payment for use of the platform. You can also find a uh, post from Twitter support saying it was developed to bolster their efforts to reduce spam and bot activity. And then you can also read about the so-called not a bot um, system, I guess, which they are indeed testing in two countries. It also, by the way, notes that the dollar annual fee will vary by country and currency. So it's a dollar uh, USD equivalent, which is 143 in New Zealand dollars and 42 of the Filipino currency. OK, so a couple different things here. Number one, if Twitter moves to start charging every American user a dollar a year, it will be the death of the platform. This platform has already declined significantly. Activity is down. Ad dollars are down. Uh, respect for the platform is down. It's an increasingly unusable platform. The for you feed just riddled with agit trash, as I like to call it. But let me talk about one of the things I've realized since this Twitter fiasco started. Naturally, I have been spending less and less time on Twitter on X. And there's a very interesting piece about how NPR left Twitter, some and particular NPR affiliate. And essentially, there was no downside. There was the belief that Twitter must be driving a ton of the traffic to our website, to our podcasts, to our stories, et cetera. And there was a negligible close to zero effect of that NPR affiliate, I believe it was, or maybe NPR big, big picture leaving Twitter. And similarly, because of what's been going on on Twitter, I have just reduced my social media time dramatically. I'm spending very little time on Twitter, very little time on Facebook, very little time on threads or any of those sorts of platforms, Instagram. And the show is growing as fast as ever. Now, you could argue, well, that's because we're getting closer to an election. This is when shows grow fine. But certainly we don't seem to be experiencing a reduction in growth as a result of, of opting out of uh, some of these platforms. And I also am feeling this is feelings, not facts, but this is where feelings actually do matter more than facts. I am feeling much less agitated about stories that are not clearly defined. And when you look at platforms like Twitter, I mean, the the hospital bombing in Gaza yesterday is the perfect example. Initially, endless reports, endless reports of Israel did it and killed 500, 700, 900 people. Then all of a sudden, Israel denies it. Video comes out that makes it seem as though the rockets actually came from within Gaza. It's a very uncertain situation. Rather than following all of this in real time and spending time having to wade through uh, certain comments that claim to provide certainty but really don't. This morning, I actually looked at news reporting about the event, learned about the reporting that was initially done, how it changed. And it took me five minutes to figure out stuff I might have been chasing on Twitter with unreliable sources the entire afternoon and evening last night. And so I'm also finding if there there is a real blessing in disguise here to the humiliation of what has happened on Twitter, which is that. A lot of things actually function way better when we take a breath, especially when there's no action. Right. I mean, like there's no action that any of us as individuals can take with regard to some of these things and figure out the next day or two days later what actually happened. And this is really the existential risk for Twitter, which is as they take all of these steps that end up dissuading users from participating, making them pay, taking away verification, taking away article previews. So you just see the picture, all these different things. You might actually inform people that maybe spending so much time on Twitter to begin with really isn't that great of a thing. And folks like Cal Newport and Jonathan Haidt and others have, of course, been writing about this for a long time. So we'll see if ultimately Twitter starts uh, charging a, a dollar a year. If that's the case, as I said, I wasn't going to pay to keep my verification. I haven't done it. Haven't looked back. It's a great decision. I don't plan to pay a dollar a year of to, to continue tweeting, and that'll just be the end of my tweeting if that happens. And you know what? It might just be a blessing in disguise. Let me know your thoughts. Leave a comment. Uh, we'll post this clip to all of our platforms and whichever platform you like best, you can respond and let me know your thoughts. One of our sponsors is Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Don't you think it's time you stopped putting smoke 
and vape oils in your lungs. Zipix toothpicks are a convenient way to curb the nicotine cravings. Zipix toothpicks are super discreet. You can use them anytime, anywhere. Smoking and vaping aren't allowed, including flights, sporting events in restaurants. They're available in six different flavors with options of two and three milligrams of nicotine. If you're not a nicotine user, Zipix also offers caffeine and B12 infused toothpicks. Zipix has already helped tens of thousands of customers ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vapes. They might be able to help you too. If you're a smoker or a vapor, give Zipix toothpicks a try. Your lungs will thank you. Go to zipixtoothpicks.com today. Save 10% with the code PACMAN10 at checkout. Just remember, you must be 21 or older to order. That's Z-I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com. Use promo code PACMAN10 at checkout for 10% off. That's PACMAN10. The info is in the podcast notes. All right. The failed former president, Donald Trump, under four criminal indictments and dealing with multiple civil suits as well, was back in court yesterday in New York City. This is his civil fraud trial, which may ascend effectively shut down his business in New York. Donald Trump attempted to make a number of statements. Trump attempted to use language to communicate to other homo sapiens after leaving the courtroom. And it really did not go well. It has been an insane 24 hours for the failed former president. It has been sort of lost in the shuffle of so much of the other important news that we've been following earlier in the show. But I do think this is worth looking at. As you may know, Donald Trump was recently hit, hit with a second gag order, gagged badly, just choked. And uh, this one from Judge Tanya Chutkin. The gag order says Trump really uh, cannot go after attack, personally attack. Uh, members uh, of uh, individuals, court personnel, judge, prosecutor, etc. Now, Trump comes out and viciously attacks Attorney General Letitia James, who he describes as a lunatic. Here is the failed former president. Remember that he is a civilly liable rapist. His attorney, Alina Habba, standing behind him and Trump looks unwell. He sounds unwell and he continues to tell extraordinarily, extraordinary, provable lies. And we have other executives coming in from banks that will say the same thing. This is a disgraceful situation. This is an attorney general, Leticia, that went out and uh, campaigned on, I will get Trump. I will get Trump no matter what. I'll get Trump. I promise I'll get him. We have two tapes on her now that have come out since the trial because people took tapes of her because they couldn't believe her ranting and raving like a lunatic. But just as the attorney general of New York State, Leticia James, and she shouldn't be allowed to be attorney general. She's defrauded the public with this trial. She said that Mar-a-Lago, she convinced the judge that Mar-a-Lago was worth in Palm Beach, Florida, the most expensive land in the world, I guess. <laughs> there it is. You might you, maybe you didn't know that. Uh, Buckingham Palace has nothing on Trump's gold plated Mar-a-Lago with documents stacked around the toilet. And the most expensive houses definitely in the world, the Mar-a-Lago, the biggest house, the most spectacular place in all of Florida was worth 18 million dollars. Now, remember, there's a difference between what a property is worth on the open market and what its assessed value for tax purposes is. Aside from the fact that Trump regularly lies about the value of Mar-a-Lago, Trump continues to conflate what he believes is the market value and the assessed value for tax purposes. It's sort of it's such a relevant detail and it's also almost completely irrelevant in that no matter what Trump would be lying about this regardless. Approximately could be close to 100 times that amount. And based on that testimony and based on her convincing the judge that Mar-a-Lago was worth 18 million dollars instead of a billion to a billion five. Which now, understand that with these numbers during the trial, Trump's estimate of the value of Mar-a-Lago has gone up 50 percent Dur during the, the fraud trial that's been going on. Hard to believe. We sell very easily, which we've already proven, but we'll have people come up and say that and prove it. The most important people, the brokers that make the sales, 
But based on that, he ruled against me. He ruled fraud. I mean, he said fraud. They are the fraudulent people because they ruled a house that was worth 18. They put down as worth 18 million, and it's worth maybe close to 100 times that amount. And now we're up to 1.8 billion in value. Based on that, they ruled against me having to do with fraud, which is a big statement. But they are the frauds because the house is worth a billion, a billion and a half. 750 million, which is worth a fortune. It's the most expensive house probably in the world. And they said, and, and yes, Trump is repeating himself. It was worth $18 million. And All right. So uh, Trump lying. The judge did not rule that Mar-a-Lago is worth that. Uh, it is, uh, of course, about the assessed value for taxes. And the judge ruled it's probably between 18 and 27 million dollars. Now, Trump says it's worth 1.5 billion, probably untrue. The assessed value of 18 to 27 million by many real estate estimates signals a market value, maybe around 30 to 40 million dollars, 42 at the very most, you know, if Trump were to clean up that bathroom and get the documents out of the toilet. But that's roughly where we are. So this is continue. And when we see these things, I genuinely don't know whether Trump doesn't understand this stuff whether Trump gets it, but he says these things for the benefit of his supporters, although I don't know what difference it makes, because ultimately it's a it's a proceeding in a court of law. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, Trump then also complaining about the gag order when he came out of court. This is a rigged trial. This is a rigged situation. And our country can't stand these things. And the people of our country understand it. We're being railroaded. And I have other trials we're being railroaded. You Every single one of these trials, criminal trials, D.C., Florida, Georgia, civil trials, it's all just there's no evidence, guys, for any of it. It's just Trump being railroaded. So yesterday, when they take away my right to speak, I won't be able to speak like I'm speaking to you. And I'm not <laughs> saying anything wrong. I'm saying the truth. I won't be able to do this with that trial because the judge, which, of course, we're appealing because the judge said, basically, I don't have a right to speak. And I'm, a, I'm the number one candidate leading the Republicans by 55 or 60 points. Now, this also is important to correct because these free speech, I don't even what to call them, the, the, the free speech people who don't even know what the First Amendment says. Trump is allowed to speak. Trump is allowed to campaign. Trump is allowed to make statements. It is a very, very mild partial gag order that was issued, which is totally legal totally constitutional, doesn't violate Trump's First Amendment rights. And it says Trump cannot publicly target witnesses and potential witnesses, special prosecutor Jack Smith, Judge Tanya Chutkin, her staff, any court personnel or the families of those people. Trump can still condemn Biden. He can say the case against him is politically motivated. He can say you should vote for him for president, that Hamas never would have attacked Israel if he were president. He can say I won the election, even though he didn't. It is a partial gag order restricting his ability to attack the people involved in the trial. That should be over and leading Joe Biden and leading Joe Biden. And I'm being restricted. My my speech has been taken away from me. I'm a candidate that's running for office and I'm not allowed to speak. (laughs) This is a railroading that's all coming out of the Department of Justice. And remember, there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that this is coming out of the Department of Justice. All set up by Biden and his thugs that he's surrounded with to try and sneak out an election victory that he's not entitled to win because he's been the worst president in the history of our country. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, everybody. All right. So Trump attempting to make some statements when leaving court. Trump trothing this morning that he is already back in court and in fact, troth central is going to be my next topic of discussion today. Yesterday on the bonus show, Pat and I realized that the level of engagement that Trump is getting on Truth Social, his social media platform, is pathetically tiny. It's even smaller than Trump's hands, if you can imagine. And Donald Trump exploding over the last 24 hours yesterday on Truth Social, posting 41 times in just two hours. And he is completely out of control with these posts. And we're going to look at some detail after the break of some of these posts. But I do want to give you an overview of this. Donald Trump posting again and again and again to Truth Social uh, about the United Auto Workers, posting about his victory over a far left lawyer, saying that he is at one of his 
Biden witch hunt trials, posting articles from right wing websites like Breitbart, posting videos where he continues to call Attorney General Letitia James racist and use the term peekaboo, which I think is a reference to the to the uh, pejorative uh, jigaboo about black people. That's the best assessment I have of, of what Trump means by peekaboo. Trump posting all sorts of different videos, Trump posting polling from all sorts of different sources, some respectable and some not about Iowa, about North Carolina's primary, about Missouri, about Michigan from West Virginia. We're just scrolling and you, you are going to be shocked. It is just scroll after scroll after scroll. Trump uncontrollably posting to Truth Social. Very little difference, by the way, between the ads on Truth Social and Donald Trump's posts. More polling, polling, polling. Trump posting a letter from former football coach Lou Holtz supporting and thanking Donald Trump. Trump posting uh, articles about Mar-a-Lago. Trump posting articles from uh, websites I haven't even heard of. Trump posting links to right side broadcasting and articles about Jared Kushner's recent appearance with Lex Friedman posting, posting, posting. I'm continuing to scroll the entire time I've been talking. We've been scrolling Trump's post after post after post. This is a former president of the United States, and he simply cannot control himself. He is posting attacks on Ron DeSantis. He's posting attacks on Joe Biden. He's posting attacks on Hunter Biden. He's posting unproven allegations from random websites about Hunter Biden and videos of all sorts of different kinds. We're still scrolling, folks. We're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And then we get to Trump's posts uh, about Jim Jordan being speaker and so on and so forth. This is not a man whose speech is being restricted in any serious way. And this gets us back to the gag order. Donald Trump, because of his attacks uh, on individuals involved with many of these trials, has now been gagged partially to some degree in multiple trials. Judge Arthur Engeron issued a gag order on Trump. Most recently, uh, Judge Tanya Chutkin issued a gag order on Trump and understand When you see Trump holding multiple rallies in the same day as he did over the weekend and saying whatever the hell he wants, when you see Donald Trump stepping out of court and speaking and saying whatever he wants, when you see Trump posting 41 times in two hours to Truth Social, when you see Trump continuing to insist that these are politically motivated prosecuted prosecutions and on and on and on, there's very little evidence that Trump's speech is being restricted. And you are going to see and we're already seeing. I talked about it yesterday. People like Marjorie Trader Greene and others say Trump's First Amendment rights are being taken away. They, of course, are not. These are very limited gag orders in terms of Trump and attacking individuals involved with these trials. Now, after the break, we are going to look more closely at slurs that Donald Trump is now using in some of the specific statements. We are also after the break going to look at stunning video of what is happening in tax exempt churches, tax exempt churches. We'll have your voicemails and so many other things. I'm thrilled you're with me today. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Have you seen these people search sites? It's a big data privacy problem in the United States. They publish personal profiles on millions of Americans for people to see. It's crazy. They can show your address, your Internet activity, license plate can be there, even your political and religious beliefs. People buy and sell this information about you. And sometimes it's even shown online for free without you being aware. Our sponsor Incogni is a powerful platform that will simplify this whole process for you. You create an account on Incogni. Within a minute, they go to work getting your data taken down from these data broker databases. They'll keep you updated every step of the way. They'll handle disputes or websites that try to refuse to take your info down. It can cut down on robocalls. It can make you less susceptible to scams. Even identity theft is a risk that they can help mitigate. Folks, you do not want this type of personal information floating around out there. Let Incogni take care of it for you. The first hundred people to use the promo code Pacman Get 60% off when you go to incogni.com slash Pacman. 
That's I-N-C-O-G-N-I dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for 60 percent off. The info is in the podcast notes. We have reached a level of discourse um, in many areas of uh, this country that really deserves to be, I don't know, flushed down the toilet 10 to 15 times. And I'm going to illustrate this to you through a couple of the videos that the failed former president Donald Trump posted to Truth Social yesterday. We already went over in an earlier segment this explosion of posts, 41 posts in two hours and over 50 posts in 24 hours to Truth Social that Donald Trump did. I want to look specifically at a couple of videos in which, you know, we really need to work very hard not to get desensitized to the absolutely absurd reality that this is a former president of the United States is the presumptive Republican presidential nominee for 2024. And if we don't vote, could be president once again. Here is Donald Trump dropping the globalist slur, which remember in many circles, globalist is just an anti-Semitic code word for Jews. Trump jumping on the globalist slur bandwagon and also saying that the prosecutor uh, in Trump's civil trial in New York is racist. She's black. Trump says she's racist. Of course, you could be black and racist. That's not a problem, but there's no evidence of that. So let's go through it. Here is Donald Trump making this claim about the World Health Organization and globalism and his his audience is eating this stuff right up. Take a look at this. The World Health Organization has become nothing more than a corrupt globalist scam paid for by the United States, but owned and controlled by China. When the China virus reached our shores three years ago, the World Health Organization disgracefully covered the tracks of the Chinese Communist Party every single step of the way. Hmm. For this reason, it was my great honor to terminate America's relationship with the World Health Organization. Remember that we're back in thanks to Biden. The United States was paying the World Health Organization almost $500 million a year. When I dropped out, I took it out of there. And for 330 million people, even though China was paying only $40 million for 1.4 billion people. So we had 330. They have 1.4 and we're paying you following the math here more than 10 times the amount. That's typical for the United States because they don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> they. Unfortunately, crooked Joe Biden foolishly reentered the World Health Organization at the full price and without any negotiations or reforms. All right. So the point here is globalist has now become a slur. Globalist, internationalist, Trotskyite socialist. All right. Yeah, that's my Alex Jones impression. Um, Do I think Trump is literally talking about Jews when he says globalist? No, I do not. No, I do not. And in this context, he seems more to be talking about China, actually, than anything else. But this is a level of discourse that in times past would have been unthinkable for an American president as silly as so many of the things that George W. Bush said were even George W. Bush was above this sort of thing. And going to the uh, globalist slur shows only further decepts, uh, uh, d- uh, the further depths, a descent into the further depths of where the discourse has fallen. Now, Trump didn't stop there. He also says that Letitia James who he often refers to as peekaboo, which seems to be just a racist uh, uh, analog to Jigaboo. Um, Trump says she's racist. By any other judge in New York, the trial brought by the corrupt and racist AG, Peekaboo James, would be dismissed and over with. Now, when Trump says she's racist, I really don't know what Trump's talking about. I know that she's black. I've not seen it even suggested that she's going after Trump because Trump is white. In fact, Trump has said she's going after him for political reasons, not for racial reasons. So I would love more information about the way in which her racism is apparent. This case should never have been brought. It should never have been allowed. I have no rights. I don't even get under any circumstances a jury. Somebody said, oh, your lawyers didn't check a box. There's no box to check. (laughs) <laughs> Under this statute, you get no jury, you get no rights. Peekaboo has misrepresented values to the judge like Mar-a-Lago being worth only $18 million now. Now, remember, $18 million is the assessed value. And when Trump says, says she's racist, when he says peekaboo, I think he's being racist. Just so you understand, 
if you multiply that times 50 to 100, that would be right. much closer to the value. They know it's wrong. Either that or they're grossly incompetent, which could also be because they are incompetent. I'm worth much more than my financial statements. Sure. So there can be no fraud. All right. So maybe Trump means it's racist to say that he doesn't have as much money as he claims to have. I don't really know. But this is where the level of discourse now is. The people who tell us it's wrong to ever say someone is racist, it's the worst thing you could ever say, are saying that Letitia James is racist with no evidence. And the only thing we can find is that she's black and Trump as the defendant is white. Does that mean any time there is cross racial prosecution that it's racially motivated or racist? I think I'm trying to apply logic to a situation that has no logic. Trump's audience is eating this stuff up. They vote. They are motivated to vote based on these sorts of statements, which is another reminder of why we need to make sure that we are voting. Let's now look at a Republican, not a guy I love, not a guy who I think is the best, but a guy who seems like sort of a decent person who is saying this stuff's got to stop. Mitt Romney, many of you probably suspected I was going to talk about Mitt Romney in this segment. Mitt Romney, who is on his way out of the U.S. Senate and has announced that he will not be running for reelection, he is straight up saying we are seeing 70 percent of Republicans abandon truth. This is notable because Mitt Romney, speaking at the McCourt School, goes after not only Trump for promoting these lies about the 2020 election, but Romney is going after the 70 percent of Republicans that he believes still claim Donald Trump won in 2020. This is not about rehabilitating the image of Mitt Romney. This is not about me pretending that I agree with Mitt Romney about every issue or any issue or whatever the case may be. This is simply about the stark contrast that now exists when you have a Republican with whom you disagree on policy, but he's at least operating in something that approximates the real world. It's almost stunning because it is so rare at this point in time. Listen to what Romney had to say. So, uh, you know, we have what I think approximately 70 percent of Republicans still say that Donald Trump won the 2020 election. It's like, are we going to abandon truth to that degree? I mean, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, after all this time, all the courts that were you know, solicited to get look into it, there's been no evidence of widespread fraud. Actually, most of the evidence I've seen so so far has been Republicans right. uh, trying to corrupt the election. Right. Uh, and, and, and yet they continue to put it out there and and uh, and promote it. It's like, how, how does a party survive? Uh, so here is Mitt Romney with a sober assessment of the party he's a member of as he prepares to exit public service in public life. How does the party survive? If 70 percent believe that we had the election stolen from us, when in reality we seem to have been the only ones trying to steal it, this is politically risky if you want to stay in elected public service. Mitt Romney does not. And unfortunately, we've seen this a few times in the Trump era. We saw it with uh, Jeff Flake in Arizona. We've seen it elsewhere where the relatively rare, you know, you've got three groups of Republicans. You have many groups of Republicans, but for the, this illustration, you have three groups. You have the people who repeat the Trump lines and believe them. The people who believe the Trump, uh, I'm sorry, the people who repeat the Trump lines, but don't believe them. And the people who don't believe the Trump lines and are willing to say it out loud. That last group includes Romney. It now includes Chris Christie, although opportunistically because he's running for the Democrat for the Republican nomination. Mitt Romney is in a relatively small group, and it's a group that is smaller over time because those who not only don't believe the Trump BS lines, but say it are ostracized and sometimes they lose their seats. Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Romney, Flake, etc. So I don't know what the future of the Republican Party is. This is a topic that uh, holds some significant uh, place in my forthcoming book, Echo, which I'm working on and I'm about 
two thirds of the way done with the first draft. I've been keeping people apprised. I was recently at 40 percent. I'm now at beyond 66 percent. So we're making real progress. What is the future of this party? And uh, there is this self-selection bias where people are self-selecting out. Now, I understand Mitt Romney's getting to be an older guy and he's saying, I'm, I'm basically I'm done. But if there were more Republicans like Mitt Romney, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in right now. Yes, we'd be arguing over health care policy. We'd be arguing over foreign policy. We'd be arguing over taxes. We'd be arguing over social issues, abortion, et cetera. But we would not be in the mess in which we find ourselves today. So good for Mitt Romney for being willing to say it. He is able now to say whatever he wants because he's leaving. We'll see if other voices from within the party that plan to stay are willing to say these sorts of things. I am going to play a stunning video for you right now. This is a MAGA preacher who appears to he, he starts having convulsions. I'm not a doctor, but it, it looks almost seizure or stroke like, although, of course, it's all BS. It's all religious non nonsense. Here is a video clip from this Reawaken America tour. It's like a circus tent revival sort of feel. And this guy starts praising Trump and then starts going into convulsions. At some point, you'll hear him go silent. And if you're not watching, you might not know what's going on when he goes silent. He's shaking. He's just shaking. I can't do that because my hair shakes too much. Uh, this guy's bald. Good for him. So the hair is not an issue. Take a look at this. Donald Trump just called me on the phone a couple of days ago. And I want to tell you, I'm telling the world that we're getting this nation ready for the return of Donald J. Trump, that we will stake this. Now he's shaking, shaking violently. And the crowd loves it. Somebody say yeah. Whoa. Now, it seems to me that this counts as doing politics, <laughs> right? So having screaming Donald Trump and having the entire crowd scream Donald Trump, I think counts as making political statements. I don't know that the Reawaken America tour is a religious nonprofit, although maybe it is. But whatever church is this guy's home church certainly should be paying taxes. That I can tell you for sure. Don I told the president, I told the president, he'll be back. Yes, I told the president, you don't have to worry about a thing because you got the church backing you up. Y'all, the believers are backing you up. God help right. me. The body of now, I think they were backing him in 2020 and he lost. So who knows? Christ is backing you up and it's not coming from the mainstream church. Donald Trump is ready to come back, but he needs to make sure that he got warriors ready to stand with him. We don't care about those indictments. We don't care about those arrests. We can take those to the gates of hell. Are you ready to take this nation back? Are you ready for the, the greatest president in our lifetime to come back? If you're ready, show yeah. All right. So that clip from Right Wing Watch, all of these people should be taxed. Any any place where you're giving that sort of speech, you should be paying taxes. That's the takeaway. I don't know that we need to delve too much into it beyond just remember it is a C.U.L.T. cult. It is a cult. Deprogramming is tough and we've got a lot of work ahead of ourselves. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's a caller weighing in on recent interviews and suggesting a future interview, one that I like. Take a listen to this. I was wondering. Oh, what? Hold on. Let's start it from the beginning. David, I saw you got Pete Buttigieg on the show today. That's awesome. Yeah. I had a question. I was wondering if you had reached out to Arnold Schwarzenegger to see if he would want to come on the show. And, uh, you know, maybe give a quote for the book. Because I know you were talking about um, the, the fall of, well, basically the, the progression you talked about in your book. Uh, seems like he might have some relevant things to say. Yeah. And he is an interesting guy. It is hard to remember sometimes that he's a Republican. Um, but yeah, hope he, uh, he gets on the show too. Having some great guests lately. Cool. All right, we bye. have reached out to Arnold Schwarzenegger. He has been doing a bunch of podcasts lately. He was on the Tim Ferriss podcast, which is a podcast I listen to. I should actually tell people the podcasts I listen to. None of them are political, by the way. Um, we have reached out to Arnold. We may be too small potatoes for Arnold, but 
it would be fascinating to have him on and talk about, you know, the things he identifies with from Republicans in times past are denounced by modern Republicans. In what way is he even still a Republican in today's Republican Party? I would love to have Arnold on. We're working on it. We'll see what we can do. If anybody has a contact or some entryway uh, to Arnold, please let us know. On the bonus show today, we are going to talk about the non Trump Republican primary candidates begging donors for money, and donors are not turning over money, probably because they realize it's futile. We will talk about the FDA being pressured to act on red food dye. What's the deal with red food dye? And thirdly, most voters believe that the U.S. supporting Ukraine is in American interests and, and are in favor of not boots on the ground, but the relatively modest amount of funding that the U.S. is uh, sending to Ukraine. We will talk about that and how it seems to be so out of step with many Republicans. All of that and more on the bonus show. The David Pacman membership costs six bucks a month. It's normally six bucks a month. You can use the coupon code F Fox F Fox to save 50% at joinpacman.com. Producer Pat joins me on the bonus show in a few moments, and then we'll be back tomorrow with a new show.